Hey, Reach Paramount. Welcome to our podcast. This message continues our series, Redeemed, with Pastor Omar Lopez and a message entitled, From Bitter to Better. Enjoy this message. Praise the Lord. Well, it's good to be together. You can be seated this morning. We're glad you're here and appreciate everyone coming uh, today. And are you glad you're in the house of God? I'm glad to be here. In fact, why don't you turn to your neighbor and say you're in the right place at the right time, right now, right now. I believe that today, and we appreciate everyone coming. We welcome all of you that are uh, here for the first time, those that are watching online, and I'm excited about this message, and we've been on a series called uh, Redeemed. How many of you are glad you've been redeemed? We've been redeemed by the blood of Jesus, and uh, we've been talking about this word redeem and what redeem means is to ransom back or to repurchase and we know that that's what Jesus did for our soul he reclaimed it and he again restored us God's a restorer he heals he sets us free from addiction he changes our lives he redeems us and so I'm going to pray uh, and before I do that I'm going to read a scripture out of Ephesians 1 7 kind of been the theme scripture Uh, for our series here is that in him we have redemption through his blood the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace so let's pray as we get into this message today father we thank you today for your grace we thank you for redemption we thank you for the blood of Jesus that forgives us and Lord we thank you for grace Lord we don't deserve it But God, you reached down into our lives and saved us. So I pray today that you'd open our hearts, open our minds. People that may be struggling, people that may be hurting, people today that may be in pain, people today that are dealing with things right now, even battles and trials. I pray that the word of God would just minister to their hearts especially. And God, open the hearts of every single person. Remove every distraction. Help us to give you our 100% undivided attention in the name of Jesus and your congregation said amen thank you Lord and so this morning I, I'm I don't know where everybody is emotionally as you come to church today as you're sitting here but if I'm a betting man again I'm not a betting man but if I was I would say that a lot of us this morning are probably going through some issues that are really hurting you you're going through some pain you're going through some struggle and there's not a person in here that's immune from pain you're not immune from any kind of hurt nobody is as long as we live on this earth there's going to be pain because as long as there's free will that allows evil to come in and that allows sickness to come in that allows death to come in all these things as long as there's free will people make decisions And people make decisions whether they're good or evil, and we're affected by those decisions. And therefore, there's pain, there's struggle, and we live in a fallen and broken world. How many understand that? And because it's fallen, because it's broken, and and it wasn't God's original plan, redemption is the one that we look forward to. And that place that there's no more pain, no more sorrow, is going to be in heaven. How many are looking forward to that? All of us are. So no matter where you're at in your life right now, I'm going to pray that this message 
will minister to you. I'm going to be talking this morning about a woman by the name of Naomi. And I've entitled this message, From Bitter to Better. Because there's a lots of times in our lives where pain, struggle, battles, trials, loss cause us to get bitter and not better. I'm reminded of a lot of people in the scripture that were in the midst of despair, were in the midst of storms. I'm thinking even like Job in the Bible, who even was questioning God as to why things were happening in his life. In fact, the Bible said that Job was a righteous man. And he was a man that really didn't deserve anything in our own perspective, but yet he experienced all this pain all this loss. And if we're not careful when we experience that, we begin to fall into a place of doubt. We begin to question if God really cares. We begin to question whether God really can sustain us. And here's a quote that I've heard my pastor say many years ago, and it's reality. It's about to get real, even more real, okay? And here's the quote that he told me, or he's quoted before, and I've always remembered it. He said, you are either about to go into a storm, or you're coming out of a storm, or you're in the middle of a storm. Did you hear that? You're either going into a storm, you're either coming out of a storm, or you're in the middle of a storm. And so the scripture never promised us that we're not going to go through a storm, but God does promise us that he'll be with us in the midst of the storm. I thank God for that. And so, again, when I look back at the book of Job, uh, here's the man that went through all kinds of battles. But I'm here to tell you today that the battles and the trials and the struggles are not just limited to a man by the name of Job. In fact, it's not limited to just a man. In fact, a woman, women in the Bible went through battles. That's why I want to focus on Naomi. And really, uh, we're going to look at the book of Ruth, but really it could be called the book of Naomi. Because there's so many things that we can learn here. And I'm praying today that God would bring us some fresh hope. I said fresh hope today. That no matter who you are, that God can bring some fresh hope. Because maybe you're not in a battle right now or in a storm. Maybe you're coming out of one, but maybe you're going to go into one. You don't even realize it. Or maybe you're in the middle of one. And Naomi is the great example of a woman who went through a storm in her life. And we know it probably is related to a lot of her decision and a lot of things that uh, she made, decisions that her family made. Unlike Job, he was the righteous man. Naomi's family can't say that because they made some decision that they can't claim righteousness. In fact, when it, was, when, when it got hot, how many know, man, if you can't take the heat, get out of the kitchen, right? And so they couldn't take the heat. And when they came upon the trial and storm in their life, they wanted to get out of there as soon as they could. Because part of their problem was not because they were suffering for their righteousness, but a lot of us, just like me and you, we get ourselves in a lot of messes. How many know many of the battles and storms that we've gone through is because of our own bad decisions? I'm just being real. Sometimes some of the big things in our lives is the result of our bad decisions or little things that become big things. I'll just give you a few examples. People are famous for this. 
We overeat, we smoke, we don't get enough rest, we worry too much, and then we wonder why we have health problems. I'm being real. Or we create legal problems for ourselves, right? You, you spend more than you need to, and you get yourself in debt, and then you're in bankruptcy court, or you're speeding down the highway, and you speed down the highway too much, guess what? Eventually, you're going to use your license. If you have a DUI, you're going to lose your license. Reckless driving, you're going to lose your license. Got nobody to blame but yourself. You act irresponsible, irresponsible at work. Show up late, show up once in a while. Guess what? After a while, you're not going to have a job. When it comes to family, you ignore important relationships. You don't spend time. You invest. And before you know it, you have a divorce, broken home, shattered lives. Right? So a lot of things that happen to us are choices that we create. We created a lot of messes. Now, I'm not saying every mess you're in, you created it. But many, if we look back, we create our own mess. And Naomi is the great example. Her family created a lot of the mess that they were in. And a lot of things that happened in her life was created because of the decision that she made. In fact, she felt a little guilty about turning to God. This is what happens with a lot of people when we get ourselves in a mess and we know it was because of our own decisions. We feel bad. We feel guilty to even turn to God. But I'm here to tell you, it's in those moments that the mercy and the grace of God, he wants to help you that he won't turn you away. How many remember the prodigal son? God didn't turn him away. He got himself in that mess. And so in the book of Ruth, it's a great story here. It could be easily called the book of Naomi. And I want to encourage you when you go home today to read it. Only four chapters. Come on, you can do it. You can do it. You read more on the internet. Come on, four chapters. It's a very simple story. And in this story, Naomi gets redeemed. I'm just going to give you the, the end results here before we get into it. She gets restored. She gets her hope redeemed. And God uses two people, one by the name of Ruth, her daughter-in-law, and another one by the name of Boaz. And Naomi goes from bitter to better. Now, just to give you a little bit of background, and we'll get into the reading of it, but Naomi lost her husband. Later on, she loses her sons. Her life is absolutely shattered, and God uses two characters again by the name of Ruth and by Naomi to redeem her and to restore hope in her life. And I can just tell you today, if you're looking for hope, if you're going through a struggle in your life, I want to encourage you today, turn to this book in the book of Ruth because it'll restore your hope. It will restore something in your life. And we're going to read the first verse here in, Luke, in Ruth chapter 1, verse 1. And it tells us that it was the time of judges when judges basically were not doing what they were supposed to do. Let me just read this verse here. Ruth chapter 1, verse number 1. In the days when judges ruled, there was famine in the land. So let me just say, first of all, that the judges that uh, ruled the world or ruled uh, Israel at that time, they lacked good leadership. They didn't have any fear of God. They lacked any moral fiber. They didn't have principles and morals in their life. In fact, if you read the book right before Ruth called the book of Judges, the very last verse in the book of Judges said this, and everyone did what was right in their own eyes. 
that pretty much tells you the, the scenery, the atmosphere of what's happening when Naomi and her husband are living there in Bethlehem. The Bible said that with the time when judges ruled, there was the time where the nation lacked any morality. It was the time where the culture was not concerned about anything else. It was an egotistic uh, 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 culture. It was a self-serving culture. It was a self-absorbed culture. Kind of no, no, no different than the world we live in today. How many know we wake up every morning to this kind of culture? Especially if you're a believer, if you're a Christian, it's challenging to live in the world that we live in today. There's all this temptation. There's all these things that are pulling on us to, to leave God. All these things that are pulling on us to not serve God. And, and thank God that he gives us grace uh, to say no to these things. In fact, let me just read you this scripture here before I go on. Titus chapter 2 verse 11. For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. It teaches us to say no. Say no. To the ungodliness and worldly passion. And to live self-controlled. You got to get a little discipline in your life. Upright, excuse me, and godly lives in this present age. And so the first crisis that Naomi faces with her family is she's pressured to turn away from where God has her. When we read this, this scripture here. We'll begin to see and figure out, if you read between the lines, there must have been something going on in this family. And in the hearts of Naomi, there was enough pressure for them to leave the place where God had them. So let's read uh, this verse, continue to read this verse here. In Ruth, cha uh, Ruth chapter 1, verse 1 and 2. In the days when the judges ruled, there was famine in the land. And a man from Bethlehem in, in Judah, together with his wife... And two sons went to live for a while in the country of Moab. So they leave Bethlehem. They leave the place where God has them. And they move to the country of Moab. They leave California. And they leave. Oh, no, anyway, yeah, they panic. Anyway, that's a whole different thing. I'm sorry. I'm going out of context. Got that out of context. Anyway, we're scared. Anyway, the man's name was Elimelech. His wife's name was Naomi. And the names of his two sons were Malon and Kilion. Or Kilion. They were Ephrathites from Bethlehem, Judah. And they went to Moab and lived there. Now there's some troubling things in these verses. It doesn't show us a family who's supposed to fear God. Who's supposed to have faith in God. We see a family that's leaving the promised land. Bethlehem was the promised land that God had promised the 12 tribes of Israel. Uh, Pastor Isaac was talking about that. There was this promised land. This was the place where they were supposed to stay and live and be. And they left that land because there was famine. And they went to live in Moab. These were enemies of God. The Moabites hated the people of Israel. You know things are bad when you leave your home and you go to the enemy's camp. Bethlehem is really the house of bread. They're living, leaving the house of bread because they said there's famine, there's no bread here. And they leave to the Moabites. When you leave your place because of circumstances, rather than praying, something's wrong. 
Rather than the leading of the Holy Spirit, they said there's famine here. They took off and they decided to live in Moab. And Elimelech is her husband. Her son is Malon and Chilion. Those are pretty cool names if you want to name your kids that. And, they, and here's what I want to tell you. They're leaving because of famine. But I want you to know things don't get any better where they end up. In fact... It goes, from good, uh, it goes from bad to worse. Because uh, Ruth chapter 1 verse 3. But Elimelech the husband of Naomi died. And she was left with two sons. Now I know this. A lot of us. Were, they don't tell us who actually wrote the book of Ruth. We don't know who wrote it. Ruth didn't write it. Uh, uh, many people think Samuel wrote it. But there's no evidence of that. Uh, most people are, or most scholars are, are kind of left looking for who wrote this book but i can tell you a man did not write this book because it tells us that naomi's husband died see that's just like a man never gives you any details right doesn't tell us anything about how he died i mean did he die of a heart failure did he die of aneurysm you know you ever do that i mean even yeah you know my wife will well, always, you know, when I'm on the phone and somebody calls me and they say, hey, I went to the doctor, a pastor, and they begin to tell me these things that they need prayer. I pray for them. And my wife will say, uh, so uh, what does he have? I go, I'm not sure, but he's sick. We just need to pray. <laughs> What's he been diagnosed with? How long is when is he going to the doctor? What are they giving him? I, I don't know. I'm, I just pray. You know, that's just like a guy, right? That's like a guy statement. We don't know. We don't know that. We don't give any details. My, my wife, she wants to know the medical term and what is it exactly and all of that. It's just like a guy. We don't give any details. I'll, I'll tell you a story about this man. He, he left his cat with his brother and he went on vacation for a week. And after a few days on vacation, his brother texted him and said, your cat died. And so this man was mad. He called his brother. He goes, I can't believe it. You just, you just text, me, text me to tell me my cat died. You could have texted me and said, call me. Then I would have called you. And you could have broken the news to me a little better than this. You could have first told me, hey, listen, man, you know, your cat was walking on the roof and won't come down. And then the next day I could have called you and you could have said, you know what? Your cat fell fell wrong and we have the bed he's working on him then the next day i could have called you and you could have said uh, well your cat passed away and brother thought his brother thought about it he said i apologize and so the so he so the the man asked how's mom doing and the brother replied well she was walking on the roof <laughs> i know it's a dark joke come on guys Gotta break, see, you gotta break the news down real hard. Anyway, guys are just bad at details. But Naomi's husband dies, and it goes from bad to worse because not only does her, her husband die, but the Bible says that uh, her two sons marry Moabite women. You weren't supposed to marry anyone outside of the Jewish culture. And so now they're, they're mixing and marrying. And the Bible says here in Ruth chapter 1, verse 4 and 5, it goes from bad to worse to impossible. Look at what it says. They married Moabite women, one named Orpah. Believe it or not, that's where Oprah got her name. 
and they, they, they misspelled it, true story. You can look it up, not right now, Google it later. But that's where Oprah got her name, Orpa. And the other one was named Ruth. After they lived there 10 years. Now, they just didn't leave Bethlehem for a little while. They left for a long time. They may not have ever wanted to come back. Maybe they got a little too comfortable in the wrong side of town. Both Malon and Kilion also died. And Naomi was left without her two sons and her husband. Man, the pain gets deeper, doesn't it? I mean, just imagine you lost your husband. You lose your two sons. And now all you have is your two daughter-in-laws who are foreigners. You're in a foreign land. You're by yourself. You've lost your husband, which is deep and hard. But now you've lost your two sons. This woman is going through a lot of pain. She is grieving the loss of her husband. She is grieving the loss of her two sons. She is shattered by everything that's going on. Can you imagine, if if you could just kind of put yourself in her shoes and i can just tell you uh, i i've been in ministry for 30 years over 30 years of ministry and i can tell you i've seen some people go through some great hurt and what i've noticed even believers they get frustrated with god they push away those people they need the most and that's exactly what naomi tried to do she's grieving she's hurt she's mad she hears then that, that there's bread back in Bethlehem. She hears that the famine is beginning to subside. And she decides to go back. But when she decides to go back, her daughter-in-law said, we'll go with you. She goes, I don't need you. See, you're pushing people away that you need. You know what? Just go back. I'm going to go by myself. That's when you start trying to do things on your own. I'm going to do it by myself. I don't need anyone. And she's pushing her daughter-in-laws away. And finally, Orpah says, okay, you know what? I'll leave just like Orpah. Anyway, I'll leave. I'll go my way. And she left. She didn't have any faith. Probably thinking, man, Naomi's not going to help me. I'm better off here. But there there was Ruth. And Ruth says, hold on a second. No, I'm going to stay with you. And I love with Ruth. This is an amazing statement here. Ruth chapter 1, verse 16, Ruth said, don't urge me to leave you or to turn back from you. Where you go, I will go. Where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people and your God will be my God. That's powerful, isn't it? I mean, that is so powerful right there. That is commitment. Where you go, I'm going to go. Where you stay. And she said, no way. I'm going to stay with you, Naomi. I'm going to stick with you. Ruth uh, basically uh, was a person that was willing to leave her hometown to follow her mother-in-law and to be with her. And so they walk into town. uh, They come into town. uh, And when they come into town, this is where you begin to see Naomi is still hurting. She's still in pain. Uh, She's still wondering what's going to happen. And in Ruth, Ruth chapter 1, verse Verse 20, they they finally, they walk into town. They say, is this Naomi? Is this really Naomi? And she said, don't call me Naomi. Call me Mara. Because the Almighty had made my life very bitter. She's blaming God. I went away full, not full stomach. She's talking about with with her family. But the Lord had brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi, she said. The Lord has afflicted me. 
Actually, the actual translation, the Lord has testified against me. The Almighty had brought this misfortune upon me. When she said, don't call me Naomi, I want you to know her name, Naomi, was, uh, her, it translated pleasant. She said, don't call me pleasant anymore. She says, call me Mara, which means bitter. And she says, uh, uh, basically, I'm, I'm bitter, I'm mad, I'm in distress. Uh, and she lost her husband. Uh, she lost her two sons. Uh, these people, when they say, is this Naomi? She tells them, don't call me that. They don't know what's going on yet. And now she has to open up her wound again and tell them what's happened. Uh, and she's trying to push everyone away. Thankfully, she had Ruth that stuck with her. Not only that, when life feels impossible... It's easy to grow bitter and be angry with God. When things are painful in your life, when things happen in your life and you don't understand, she said, I went away full and the Lord brought me back empty. She's blaming God. She's pushing away those that are trying to help her. She's bitter with God. And one way to end up in disillusionment, one way to end up in disappointment and the wrong idea about God, and one way today is we tweak our theology and it creates disillusionment. Our theology is our philosophy and our understanding of God. Notice here, Naomi's expressing. She's saying, man, my whole life has been a mess. I went to Moab. She's attributing her crisis at going to Moab as something like as if God did it. How many over their own decision? But she's blaming God. There's nowhere in the scripture that's supporting that God did anything, had anything to do with it. But she said, the Lord had afflicted me. And, and she's indicating, you know, the Lord had did this to me. It's testifying against me. And, and, and she says, uh, but you got to remember, she stood there 10 years. She was in that place. And she's in, in, in this place right here where really she's hurting. There's a book called Shattered Dreams by a man by the name of Larry Crabb. And it really outlines the book of Ruth. In fact, a lot of what I'm talking about is from this book. And it says this, some dreams important to us will shatter. And the realization that God could have fulfilled those dreams pushes us, pushes us into a terrible battle with him. That's what happens. Blown expectations, write this down, blown expectations without proper theology leads to disillusionment. We have these expectations because we think God can fix everything. We think God is supposed to resolve everything. We think God should just come in in a matter of a few seconds and fix everything because sometimes we have this American ideal. Listen to me. This American Christianity that life is not supposed to have any pain. That pain isn't normal. That problems are not normal. Can I just tell you something? There's nowhere in the scripture that tells us that life is going to be painless. There's nowhere in the Bible that tells us that you're never going to have a problem. I can't tell you how many people that I talk to that complain about their marriage because they have some issues and disagreement. Let me just tell you, you're going to have disagreements in marriage. It's, it's normal. I said it's normal. Problems in your marriage? Normal. 
Not, look at, I'm married. Problems are normal. Disagreements are normal. Life is hard. Having difficult people to deal with, normal. Not having your opinion listened to, normal. Being frustrated is normal. Being misunderstood is normal. Things breaking down in your house is normal. Equipment and technology breaking down is normal. Things being misplaced is normal. Not having enough money is normal. Having problems with job is normal. Having a feeling of dissatisfaction is normal. Having extended problems with your family or problems with extended family is normal. All of these issues are normal. Somebody say amen. amen. What world do you live in? This is not a movie. This is life. If you think life is not supposed to have a problem, what planet are you from? Because I'm going to tell you, you're going to have issues. In fact, Jesus said, in this world, you will have tribulations. You know, a tribulation is battles, storms, problems, issues, all kinds of things. But take heart, be of good cheer, be encouraged. I've overcome the world. I, I love this version in 1 Peter 4.12 where Peter tells us this message. He says, friend, life gets really difficult. He said, don't jump to the conclusion that God isn't on his job. It's the message version. Instead, be glad that you are in the very thick of Christ's experience. This is the spiritual refining process with glory just around the corner. Oh, man. I love this. So here is uh, Naomi. Here is Ruth. They're coming into town. I'm going to kind of rush this as quickly as I can. They decide. They get there. She's bitter. But she tells uh, Ruth, go into the field and glean uh, uh, some uh, some harvest or glean some wheat. Uh, Back then, what they would do uh, is you would leave uh, the corners of the field uh, for the poor people to be able to glean something. If you were an owner of a field, if you own wheat, if you own things, you left a little bit on the corner so that the poor people who didn't have enough could come and glean. Now, notice the poor people still had to work. The poor people still had to get up. It wasn't a handout. This was their system. It wasn't like we give you everything. You had to get up in the morning, get up and glean, do, do a little bit of work, and work for, even for the little that you had. So here is Ruth. She's getting up. Uh, she's working. Uh, now, here's what I'm saying to you. She's a Moabite woman. She's hated. The Jewish people hated Moabites. So she's already a hated person. She, they can tell that she's a Moabite, but she doesn't let fear paralyze her. Because some people let fear and pain paralyze them. The Bible says in Ruth chapter 2, verse 3, she happened to come to the part of the field belonging to Boaz. Somebody's looking for your Boaz. Amen. Who was the clan of the Elimelech? Yeah, I know how it sounds. She, that word, she happened to come, means uh, she, she had her chance chance. I love, I love the way it says it. In the Hebrew, it says her chance chance. It just happened to be a guy by the name of Boaz, and Boaz was considered the kinsman or the kinsman redeemer. Redeemer, the kinsman redeemer. Now, what is the kinsman redeemer? The kinsman redeemer, redeemer is someone that was the closest relative to you that would uh, basically redeem you or buy your property back and provide for you 
and basically be the, your protection. And he was the guy that could purchase your property back. See, when, when Naomi and her family left, they sold their property, but they had the right to buy it back. It was almost like a lease. When you sold your property and you were a Jewish person, you could always buy it back because it was a promise. It was your inheritance if you had enough money. But if you sold it off, you leased it off until you buy it back. Some people never had enough to buy it back. But there she is. She's back there. And she's hoping that someone could do this for them. And here at Ruth, she just happened. How many know it's too coincidental to be a coincidence? She's gleaning in the field of Boaz who happens to be the redeemer the closest relative that if he's willing could redeem them and help them see God will provide when you least expect it I said God will bring you fresh hope when you least expect it see sometimes there's key relational opportunity that God gives us that you weren't even looking for the Bible says in Ruth chapter 2 verse 5, then Boaz uh, told the young men, he said, uh, uh, who was in charge of the reapers? Who is this young woman? In other words, Boaz notices this woman that's working uh, and gleaning. He says, who is this woman? And the young man said, this is Ruth. Uh, she came with Naomi. She's faithful. And they begin to tell Boaz uh, the story of the character of this woman by the name of Ruth. Uh, and she finds favor in the eyes of Boaz. See, I'm here to tell you, sometimes you don't realize God's giving you favor. He's giving you opportunities. But we're so much in despair that we can miss it. We stop praying. We stop believing God. We've lost hope because of our circumstance and we can be blinded to opportunities and people that God wants to connect us with. I have found myself in life where God is connected with me with people when I least expected it. When things, man, I, 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 I was praying, I was believing God, and all of a sudden, I, I, I met this person, or I talked to this person, or I, I got this job opportunity. I've shared this before. I remember uh, our job where I was working years ago. I remember our job was shutting down. We were going bankrupt. And I remember I didn't know what I was going to do. I was looking for a job. I was believing God. In fact, I, 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 they, they were going to lay me off that week. I knew it was coming. And I told my wife, man, I, I don't know what I'm going to do. And uh, I, I went down to the unemployment office to fill out the application. And as I was signing it and, and filling it out, the Lord told me, why are you filling out an application? I can provide for you. I'm going to get you a job. I go, I don't have no job. I'm talking to God in the unemployment. I go, I don't have a job. I don't, I don't have anything. He goes, just trust me. So I ripped it up, threw it in the trash. And I remember I was there at the counter. It was my last week there at the, at the job. They were closing down in a few weeks. And I remember this man came by and I didn't know who he was. And he said, hey, what are you going to do? And I said, well, I'm looking here. I'm looking. He goes, hey, well, if you don't find anything, come and see me. And he gave me a card and he walked out. And he was the president of this company. And I knew who this company was. And it was, it was the president. I go, man, I was talking to the president. I go, I didn't even know who he was. So I called him like an hour later. Yeah, I said, hey, this, hey, this, this, this can't be a coincidence right here. And I said, hey, I, I didn't know who you were. And I said, I'd like to come talk to you. And I, I remember I, was, uh, I, was in, I had this uniform on at the time. And I said, I'm in a uniform. He said, just come see me. Come talk to me. And I remember I went to go talk to him that day. And he goes, I'm going to tell you something. I'm not hiring. I don't have an opening. But I like you. 
He goes, and I'll hire you right now. I said, man, thank God. That was the hand of God right there. See, I didn't expect it. I wasn't looking for it. And all of a sudden, God put it together. You have no idea what God's trying to put, put together for you right now. You have no idea what the Lord is doing. The Bible says that she's gleaning. I got to rush this. As she's gleaning, she comes back. She tells, uh, uh, she basically, uh, she realizes that she's gleaning there. And, she, and Boaz tells the guys that, that are working, leave her some extra stuff so that she can have more to take home. And she goes home, she tells Naomi, her mother-in-law, said, man, this man there, he goes, what's his name? His name is Boaz. She goes, oh, he's the kinsman redeemer. You have found favor. See, Naomi, all of a sudden, she finds hope. She's getting better from her bitterness. Right? She's getting better. She's all of a sudden, hope comes back. She goes, I know who he is. She goes, I want you to do this. She begins to give her instructions. She says, I want you. He's going to sleep. She, she already knows the routine. He's going to go sleep by the wheat tonight. And I want you to go sleep by his feet. And then when he wakes up, he's going to see you there. And you need to ask him to redeem you. Basically, she's kind of proposing to him. See that? Hey. I'm not, I'm not saying you could do that, but it, they did it here in the Bible. She's proposing to him. And the Bible says he wakes up in the middle of the night and he goes like, who are you? She goes, I'm Ruth. And this is what she says to him. I love this. He, he, in Ruth chapter 3, verse 9, he said, who are you? She answered, I am Ruth, your servant. Spread your wings over your servant. Oh, I love that. For you are a redeemer. I said, you are a redeemer. The Bible says that he wants to redeem her. He said, oh man, I can't believe it. I know who you are. I'm willing to do it. But you don't realize there's someone closer in relatives to Naomi. He's actually the next in kin that could redeem. He goes, but if he doesn't do it, I'll do it for you. I'll redeem you. Of course. He said, you could have had a younger man, but you come to me. He's an older guy, man. He's, he's, he's happy now. He goes, Yeah. I'm just saying, he's really happy. So he goes, yeah, I'll redeem you. Of course I will. Yeah, I'll do it. But let me just say this to you guys. By redeeming her, he, took, he had to take the responsibility of Naomi uh, as well. Not marry Naomi, but take care of her as well. And by all the property that Naomi had sold off, he had to redeem it, repurchase it, bring it back. Are you hearing that? And so the Bible says, he goes, but there's somebody closer. He goes, I'll go the next morning and I'll go ask this person if he's willing to redeem you. And I'm going to tell him what it's going to take. So the Bible says uh, here in Ruth chapter 4 verse 6, it says, then the redeemer said, I cannot redeem. Oh, so the Bible said that he goes and confronts it. Before I read that, he goes and confronts this guy at the gate. And he says, hey, there, there's, this, there's this property that Naomi, uh, you're the next kid. You can redeem it. He goes, oh, yeah, man, I'll get more property. Sure, I'll do it. And Boaz said, just know this, that if the day you redeem it, you got to take care of Naomi and you got to marry Ruth. Now, many scholars believe he probably already had a wife or he said, man, if I marry Ruth, then her, her, her children, which is the Moabite woman, then they would take the inheritance. He said, no, nah, I don't want to get involved in all that. He said, in fact, it might be, it, it may jeopardize what I got. So it said, then the Redeemer said, I cannot redeem it myself, lest I impair my own inheritance. Take my redemption. Take the right of my redemption for yourself, for I cannot redeem it. So the custom was, when the deal was settled, that the man then gave up his chancla. Let me have that chancla right there. 
we got a chancla here. And so what happened was, yeah, the sandal, okay? So when you made a deal, sorry, when the man said, it's the deal, he gave him his chancla. So you see, the power of the chancla came all the way from the book of Ruth. You didn't know that, huh? You women. Your mom used the chancla. The chancla closes the deal. I'm not going to tell you whose chancla this is today. And so he got the chancla, amen. Could you imagine going to your Honda dealer and say, okay, here's the deal, man. The deal's good. And you give the guy the chancla. He goes, I don't want this chancla, right? <laughs> so that's, that's how it sealed the deal. And when, it sealed, when the man said, I won't redeem it, Boaz said, I'll do it. He's the kinsman redeemer. Can I tell you, that is the shadow of who Jesus is. He's our kinsman redeemer. When you are not worthy, when you are not looking for it, Jesus redeems you. Jesus takes you in as his own. Jesus says, I love you that much. Doesn't matter what you've done. I'll redeem you. She was a Moabite woman. Naomi was all broken. She was nobody. She had nothing. But see, that's what Jesus does for us. When you're bankrupt, when you're in despair, when you're bitter, he makes you better. See, there's always hope today. God brings it all in connection. Even the bad things, God brings a connection. All things work for the good. They work for the good. Even the bad things, even the evil things, even the things that you say, ah, he says, man, I've called them all to work for the good. See, there's a redeemer. I know my redeemer lives today. His name is Jesus. Would you bow your heads today in reverence to the Lord? Holy Spirit, we thank you that you are our kinsman redeemer. That you redeem us, God, when... Our dreams are shattered when our circumstances are dire. When it's hard to sing, when it's hard to rejoice. When, Lord, even at that song we sang this morning, God, when we don't know how to express our gratitude, when we fall short, we just throw up our hands and we praise you again and again. You're our Redeemer. There's a line inside of those lungs. It's a... You just find a place to praise God. Before I go on here, you're in this place. And you may not realize it, but without Jesus, you're bankrupt. You're lost. You have nothing. Your soul is empty. And the only one that can feel it is God. You need Jesus in your life. You came here thinking, oh, I got everything together. No, you don't. No, you don't. Jesus is the only way. Jesus said that he's the way, that he's the truth, and that he's the life, and that no one comes to the Father but by him. You need the Lord in your life today. You need to be forgiven of your sin because without Christ, we're lost. We don't have any hope at all. Our lives are empty. We're headed to hell without God. We need him. So I don't believe it's a, a coincidence. I don't believe it's a chance chance today. Well, I should say it is a chance. It just so happens you're here today. And you're hearing this message because God wants to redeem you. You need a redeemer in your life. Because without him, we have no hope. So if you're in this room right now, maybe somebody brought you. Maybe you're listening online today. You be honest with God. Said, I need the Lord in my life. I need Christ. I want the Redeemer in my life. I need Jesus to come in my heart today. Whoever you are right now all over this building, 
you'd raise your hand right now and say, Pastor, would you pray for me? I need the Lord in my life. Raise your hand real quick. Say, that's me. That's me. I need the Lord in my life. Is there anyone over here on my right? A few people here. God bless you. Thank you. Thank you. Anybody else right now? Say, that's me. I need Christ in my life. I need Jesus in my life. Just raise your hand, friend. We're not here to embarrass you. We're not here to shame you. We're not here to put you down. We're here to tell you there is a Redeemer. And he loves you no matter what you've done. No matter, even if it's been your own decision or maybe not even your decision. Maybe some things have happened were not even things that you did. But they just so happened to come on your life. I'm here to tell you God loves you. You need the Lord in your life. Who else? You'd raise your hand right now. You haven't raised it up already. You raise it up right now. Maybe you were once walking with God. You're away from God. So I need to come back to the Lord. Raise your hand. I need to come back to Jesus. I need to come back. I need to rededicate my life to him. Is there anybody else right now all over this room? You need the Lord right now. That's you. That's you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You raise your hand over here on the right. You guys mean that? It mean that. Can we pray for you? Would you guys come? Amen. Let's pray for them. Let's give them a hand. I need some folks that will come with them. Would you guys come? I need some people that will come with them and pray with them. We're just going to have some people. Why don't we all stand together? Why don't we all stand together? God bless you guys. God bless you guys. God bless you. What's your name? Fidel. God bless you in your name. April. God bless you. Can I have Johnny? Can you pray with them? And, and, and can you pray with them, Betty, as well? Amen. Why don't we just worship just the Lord just a moment here. They're going to pray with them this morning. And we're going to pray. We're going to worship. I really feel that God wants to heal some of our hurt, some of our brokenness, some of our pain. There's some of you, you're, you're in deep pain. Let me just say this right now. Some of you are in pain because of a past divorce, a bad marriage. Maybe you're already remarried. Maybe, maybe you're not, but you still got some pain from that. Some of you are in pain because you've lost someone, lost loved one. Last year, I lost my, my mom. She almost uh, coming up next week. She, she passed away. It'd be, be one year without my mom. We were at a gravesite yesterday honoring her. I can tell you, I know what the pain is. That's why I can preach this. But you've lost a loved one. You've been through a divorce. You've been through a bad marriage. You've been through a bad relationship. You've been through a bad hurt, maybe even in your job. There's some pain in your life today. Don't let it become bitter. You need to become better. And God wants to heal. God wants to restore fresh hope. Some of that's still lingering in your life. I'm just telling you, I know there's women here, men here. You're there. You're in that place. You're in that pain that I'm talking about. You're like Naomi. Call me Mara. For the Lord has afflicted me. You may even blame God. And God says, he's, he's, it's not his fault. He's been trying to touch you. And you've been pushing away people that have been trying to help you. So we're going we're gonna to sing this song. We're also going to open the altar. I'm going to pray for as many people that come as I can. Why don't we sing? Thanks so much for listening to this message from Reach Church Paramount. To stay connected with us, follow us on Instagram or Facebook at Reach Paramount. To give and support this podcast and ministry, visit our website at reachparamount.com give.